Hello. Happy hello, hello, humans. Hello, humans. How are you? Happy Monday. It's Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio. And happy Pride. Happy Pride Week. Well, Pride Week's next week. It's Happy Pride Month. But、um, anyway, happy about being prideful. So,、um, we have a delightful show today、um, with the theme of speaking up for the outcasts, okay? Because society likes to make a lot of people outcasts. We have a lot of outcasts going on right now, people whom society shuns or groups of people shun. So, our big interview is with Dr. Thomas Adams, the president and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. You'll love learning about this organization if you haven't. Heard about it already. I'll also speak about my work. But with Pride Week coming up next week here in Minneapolis, let me start by talking、um, about one of the most influential figures in the transgender movement. I put quotation marks around that phrase, as well as with general LGBTQ rights in gen- generally. So you know that this is a special Pride、um, this year. In 2019, because it's the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots in New York City. For those of you not familiar, the Stonewall Inn on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village in New York City had long been a hangout of gay and lesbian men and、um, transgender people, although none of those labels applied at that time. They, they used derogatory phrases to talk about gay men and, and lesbians, and the word transgender had not even been invented in 1969. So people usually were referring to people who、um, identify in the other gender as drag queens or transvestites. And、um, <clears throat> the bar at Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn, was frequently raided by the police. And in June, on June 28, 1969, the police came back again to raid the bar because in New York City it was illegal for、um, sec- people of <clears throat> the same gender to have sexual relations. And in 1969, it was a different time in our country where. LGBTQ people were absolutely outcasts, were absolutely other. And on the <clears throat> early morning hours of June 28th, the police raided、um, the Stonewall Inn. And for the first time, queer people, and that's a good phrase, queer, sorry, I'm using it, I like that phrase, queer people fought back. One of those people who fought back was Sylvia Rivera. At the time, Sylvia Rivera,、um, well, hold on, she was 28 years old. Um, she was a drag queen, quotation marks around that,、um, more probably a transvestite, more probably transgender, but she had been living on the street since she was 11 years old. She had been born of Puerto Rican and Venezuelan descent. She had been raised by her grandmother、um, after her father abandoned、um, her and her mother committed suicide. Sylvia Romero's Rivera's grandmother raised her, but then began to disapprove of Sylvia's effeminate behavior、um, because genetically she was a,、um, a boy.、Um, and she wanted, as early as fourth grade,、uh, Sylvia Rivera wanted to dress up in makeup and female clothing. So at the age of 11, let me say that again, at the age of 11, Sylvia Rivera went to live on the streets. She was taken in by the local drag queens in New York City, and she did、um, something that a lot of transgender people do called sex survival crimes. And so, Sylvia Rivera worked as a child prostitute.、Um, 
From a historical context, there's a question of whether Silvia Rivera was actually present during the Stonewall, Stonewall riots, but there's no doubt that she used the riot as a way of raising social concern about queer people. One year after Stonewall, Sylvia Rivera and another transgender activist, Marsha P. Johnson, and by the way, I did a piece on Marsha P. Johnson in the spring of 2018. Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson founded STAR, um, S-T-A-R, which uh, the acronym stood for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. And it was about providing help to outcasts. These would be to homeless queer youth, um, homeless gay and lesbian youth, and homeless uh, transgender youth who had no place to go of their own because they too were outcasts. Sylvia Rivera also fought for enactment of New York City's Sexual Orientation Non-Discrimination Act. It was a law that took 20 years in the making was not enacted until 2002, but she fought for that law. But one of the other things that Sylvia Rivera did was to call out the gay and lesbian community for how it treated, quote, transvestites, unquote, again, transgender people, in the 1970s to 1990s. Um, and, and so many uh, straight and cisgender, that would be non-transgender people, don't understand that when Stonewall occurred in 1969, that really was the start of the modern gay rights movement. It really was. And um, that gay rights movement actually took off like a rocket. It did. Now, I mean, it encountered also um, the, the, the horrible AIDS epidemic and still a lot of great stigmatism. But beginning in the early 1970s, it was becoming more and more acceptable for people to understand that gay and lesbian people were real and that they too had rights. The problem for my community, remember I'm transgender, that's why the voice sounds as it does with the name Ellie. The problem for my community is that in the 70s and 80s and 90s and even early 2000s, Many in the gay and lesbian communities, now I'm painting with a broad brush, please note, that many gay and lesbian folks did not want transgender people along for the ride. Um, In part because um, gay and lesbian folks thought it was difficult enough to get society to accept them, gay and lesbian people, for who they were. This idea about being transgender and your brain not matching your body and about you've got to dress differently and, and you know, you've you got a lot of people walking around not necessarily looking apparently, looking um, as if they, this was their birth gender, okay? Um, that was considered weird. Um, it's still to a certain extent considered weird. Wait, wait for the last segment of this radio show. Um, but it was considered also as something that would hold back gays and lesbians. Sylvia Rivera was having none of that. She wasn't. And so while she was taking on society in general about how um, it needed to be um, fairer and more equal with queer people generally, she was also taking on the gay and lesbian community for how they had forsaken um, transgender people, gender variant people. 
And that, in my book, took a heck of a lot of guts. I mean, it's one thing to fight society um, where, you know, it's, it's hard. But it's another thing to fight people who are supposed to, are supposed to be your allies but aren't. And some of you, many, many of you may be familiar with the fact that the human rights campaign in the early 2000s, human rights campaign is the largest um, LGBTQ advocacy organization in the world based in Washington, D.C. Many of you may, some of you may know, but I'm sure many of you don't, is that the first time um, that uh, the um, Equal Employment Act uh, came up for a vote in the early 2000s, the human rights campaign actually was okay with transgender people not being included um, within that law. Um, that human rights campaign, the HRC today, does not take that position. They, they are adamant today that trans people need to have employment rights along with everyone else, equality rights along with everyone else in the LGBTQ alphabet. However, in the early 2000s, that was not the case. And so this stuff was real, this, this schism between gay and lesbian folks and, and my community, the transgender community, was very real. And Sylvia Rivera was calling gay and lesbian groups out on it. She was. Um, unfortunately, Sylvia Rivera died very young at age 51 in 2002 as a result of liver cancer. Shortly after her death, the Sylvia Rivera Law Project was founded in New York City with the goal of guaranteeing transgender people, gender nonconforming people, gender variant people, the right to exist without harassment, discrimination, or violence. After her death, Sylvia Rivera was called the Rosa Parks of the modern transgender movement. Pretty fitting description, if you ask me, of a human who despite grave challenges cared about others and fought to make the world better for her community. That would be my community. Sylvia Rivera was an idealist who worked hard to protect other, to protect those whose society cast away and failed and refused to recognize. We need more Sylvia Rivera's right now, trust me. We need many more. Um, and, and please don't think that Ellie Krug holds herself in the light of Sylvia Rivera. I don't, I don't know, I don't think I have the kind of guts that she had. So, as you go forward with pride this um, next week, Will you do me a favor and please remember Sylvia Rivera, transgender woman, activist, and protector of outcasts. When we come back from the break, we'll speak with Dr. Thomas Adams of uh, Better Futures, Minnesota. Thank you. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. 
through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we're back on LA 2.0 Radio and AM 950. Well, I'll tell you, Sylvia Rivera... Um, uh, somebody who uh, worked to protect the outcasts of society. And now, uh, for the big interview, I've got another uh, champion of people who otherwise would be outcasts. Um, I, in a second, will be um, saying hello to Dr. Thomas Adams, but let me give you um, first uh, a little bit of a bio about him. So uh, Thomas Adams, PhD, is the president and chief executive officer of Better Futures Minnesota, a social change enterprise. I just can't tell you how much I love reading those words. Social change enterprise that fuels and guides men's desires to turn their lives around and walk a new path toward better health and success. Dr. Adams has over 21 years of experience in delivering health and human services to committees via a number of different nonprofits. Um, in addition to his role as president and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota, Dr. Adams serves as an adjunct faculty member for Metropolitan State University and Greenville College in Greenville, Illinois. He's earned his undergraduate degree from North Dakota State University, his master's from Augsburg College, another school very, very steeped in social change, and his doctorate from Regent University. Uh, Dr. Adams consults often on issues such as criminal justice reform, nonprofit administration, community development, and Dr. Adams was born and raised in St. Paul and continues to live in the Twin Cities. Dr. Adams, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. And uh, listeners, I need to just make sure everyone understands that uh, Better Futures Minnesota has become a sponsor of LE 2.0 Radio. And so, Dr. Adams, I'm just really thrilled that we that you are sponsoring your organization, sponsoring my show, and that I get to highlight um, what your organization is doing, what Better Futures Minnesota is doing. So welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was very long, all of that, but you have a very long uh, pedigree. So 
Um, we need to talk about that. Can you begin by telling us? Maybe briefly who we serve. Yep. Uh, so we believe that we are a transformational organization that sits at the intersection of a ratio social, economic, and environmental justice. Um, we do that by serving a population that has historically been left out of the prosperity of uh, American society. Uh, we work with men, uh, primarily but not exclusively African-American, who uh, are exiting the criminal justice system incarceration, uh, who've been long-term unemployed, uh, long-term uh, homeless, um, uh, frequent uh, felony incarcerations um, and have, uh, in most cases, um, untreated mental and uh, chemical health challenges. Okay. So um, uh, we're a residential, we have a residential component to our model where the men live. Uh, we master lease an apartment building, we call it a guest house. Uh, our men stay there to uh, provide that first foundation for getting stable. Uh, we then move into pre-employment uh, uh, phase where we work on interviewing and resume writing and uh, getting their documents for work. Um, we then have a, uh, a OJT, an on-the-job training portion of our model where men learn hard skills, um, vocational uh, certifications to uh, assist them in their uh, career trajectory. We have uh, what we call life skill coaches, uh, folks who are familiar with a more kind of social working term. Uh, sometimes they're called case managers, um, but we call them life skill coaches and they work independently with the men. Um, and then the unique aspect about Better Futures is that we're a social enterprise. So we have six business lines that we employ the men on directly for up to about two years before they transition um, out of Better Futures into external work um, and, and living a life of, of stability, uh, productivity, and um, engagement with the community. Well, and let's get, uh, let's get a statistic out there uh, real quick um, about recidivism. So in, in the world as it relates to people who society does make outcasts, um, folks who had been incarcerated, there's usually a very high rate of recidivism where those folks end up going back into the system. I read on your website, and maybe this statistic is not um, up to date, but I read on your website that your, for those who go through your program, your recidivism rate is about 15%, which is in comparison to the general recidivism rate, which is above 60%. I thought a phenomenal outcome. Am I right about this? Well, well, thanks for for highlighting that, Ellie. It's a little, it's a little more uh, even uh, uh, better than that. So ah. the first, <laughs> Love it. Uh, the, the first thing I'll say is, you know, recidivism is a catch-all term. Um, so everyone coming out of prison uh, is not at the same risk factor. Uh, as their colleague. It's kind of like hospital, right? You do a triage when you go into ER. So uh, in prison, everyone coming out does not have the same risk factor. So the state of Minnesota says that the overall recidivism rate is around 30% for, for uh, individuals in the state. And that may or may not be true uh, because it fluctuates with the state depending on how they measure recidivism. What we know is the population that we serve uh, individuals who are 18 to 45, 
who are primarily African-American, who have three plus felonies, and who are returning primarily to Hennepin County, we know that recidivism rate is around 67% in the first year. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's pretty standard across the country for individuals with multiple felonies returning to large urban areas. Um, and we, uh, our, our recidivism rate hovers around 5%. Oh my God, um, it's even better. I, you yeah, need to get so, that on your website, please. So yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> Um, we do a lot of work. It's a lot of work that goes into that. I'm sure you understand. Yes. But it's, yes. it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. And we're very excited about what our rates are. Well, well, and, and of course, um, I, I went to that quickly so that people listening right now would know that Better Futures Minnesota actually is being incredibly effective. And um, I mean... It, it's just, you know, and you're warming my heart with the 5% figure. I've, I, I mean, I, my heart was warmed with 15%. So, <laughs> you know, it's even better. Now, we're going to have to take a break in a second. But just so I understand, as listeners are he- listening here, you, you have a program where you're employing people in doing, uh, you have a reuse warehouse where people can bring um, uh, um uh, appliances and furniture or, or excuse me light fixtures and and even um, used wood uh, mm-hmm. to your to your facility for resale do I have that right that's correct and, and we certainly can can uh, uh, talk in depth after the break but we have four of our uh, six and starting in July seven business lines are in the green sector uh, the green industry. Um, and our reuse warehouse is one of them where we sell reused building materials and um, individuals are interested in, in either donating or scheduling for some sort of pickup. They certainly can go to our website, uh, which will uh, outline the type of materials we do take and the type of materials that uh, we can come and pick up. All right. Well, when we come back from our break, um, we'll talk more about that, and we'll talk. Uh, then I want to hear about you, uh, Dr. Adams. What makes you an idealist? So, listeners, you're listening to me, um, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio, a show about idealism. And today we're talking about the outcasts of society and how idealists work to protect them. Uh, you're listening, uh, as I said to this me, this person. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me at elliejkrug at gmail. Love hearing from you. We'll be back in a sec. I'm Dr. Thomas Adams, President and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. We're a social enterprise dedicated to rebuilding lives through housing, workforce development, health and family engagement, and coaching supports that give men the skills and relationships they need to succeed. Better Futures Minnesota engages men who had a history of incarceration, homelessness, poverty, untreated mental and physical health challenges to help them achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our enterprise. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. 
This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. back on Ellie 2.0 radio on AM 950. Uh, we've been speaking, I, well, we in the collective phrase, um, I, Ellie Krug, have been speaking with uh, Thomas Adams, the president and chief executive officer of Better Futures Minnesota. Dr. Adams, before our break, you started to talk about the different lines of enterprises that Better Futures Minnesota has. And I've just got to tell you off the top of my head, I think what I love about your organization, among other things, is that you use your imagination about, you know, that is not a given for most nonprofits. I, I don't want to be clear. I used to run a nonprofit, okay? But right. uh, non-pro- many nonprofits are not known for using their imagination. So can you tell us about, uh, we started talking about your uh, reuse warehouse. What other lines of businesses that are employing um, society's outcasts, if you let me use that phrase, the folks that you are serving with your nonprofit, what other lines of business are you putting them to work at? Certainly. Well, let me just give a little context, Ellie. Um, you know, they, they say that, you know, uh, necessity is the, the mother of invention, right? And right. so, um, you know, we, there were not a lot of, we're very clear and the studies show that in, in addition to housing and support, a job is one of the critical factors to uh, keeping people in the community when they're released from incarceration. Yep. And so when we started 12 years ago, we did not have a lot of companies lined up to employ a 34-year-old African-American man with three-plus felonies. Um, they just weren't answering our calls. Right. And so we had to be creative uh, and figure out a way that we could um, and keep the men employed, which we know is therapeutic and uh, is a primary reason they're able to remain stable and remain in the community. So we are serial entrepreneurs. Uh, <laughs> in our, I love it. In our 12-year history, we probably have had um, 11 businesses. Um, and we run them like a business. There's metrics, there's dashboards, there's profit lo- uh, loss margins, um, there's forecasting. And uh, as I say, serial entrepreneurs, because when a line of business isn't working, we jettison it and find something new or try to grow what we currently have. So our current lines of business, we have a janitorial line of business where we service around nine commercial buildings in the Twin Cities. We have a property maintenance business where we shovel snow and cut grass and board up uh, vacant, abandoned uh, publicly owned properties, and we also manage about six miles of business fairs, business districts, boulevards throughout the Twin Cities. We have a um, 
uh, appliance recycling line. Uh, so if you're in Hennepin County and you take your appliance to a transfer station, they bring it to us. We're one of uh, three or four licensed facilities in the county to remove hazardous refrigerants. Um, we have a line of deconstruction, uh, which is in the construction industry, but uh, deconstruction is a environmentally sustainable way for taking apart a structure, uh, a house or a building. Uh, and we reuse or repurpose uh, and then recycle whatever uh, part of that facility we can. Um, we have our reuse warehouse, uh, uh, which in, we sell those uh, used building materials and doors and cabinets and lumber and hardwood floors and everything else. Um, we have uh, what's called crew-based labor. Uh, that's if you need, um, you know, a company to come and set up bleachers or move furniture out of an apartment building that's going to be, you know, painted or something, we do that. And then we're starting uh, in mid-July uh, our makerspace uh, where we will sell memberships and individuals can come and take part in our tool library uh, and um, rent tools and hopefully buy materials from our warehouse and build things such as benches or dressers or cabinets or anything else that their heart desires. And so four of our lines are in the green industry. And we chose that industry because it is a growing industry, uh, as, as um, uh, indicated by the uh, Department of Labor, and because it has forgiving backgrounds. As I mentioned, our men uh, have felony convictions, and we want to operate lines of businesses that should our men choose to stay in them when they leave Better Futures, uh, they'll have a career and an opportunity to be hired and be successful. Well, it. It is about using your imagination, and my hat is off to you that you've been able to, to do that. And it sounds to me like um, it, you're a you're, you're serial entrepreneur. I just love it. So it, it sounds really great. Dr. Adams, though, we've got about eight minutes, and I actually want to talk with you now about you. Okay, hmm. and I know that a lot of people that come on Illy 2.0, they always get these questions, so just so you know, because this show is about idealism. It is about people who want to make a difference in the world. You have a very long pedigree in working in the nonprofit world. Can you tell me a little bit about what makes you you? Why, why are you driven? Why are you driven in this field, um, trying to, to work in the nonprofit arena versus the for-profit arena where maybe you could go out and make mid, mid to high six-figure salary? What, what is it about you that's, that, that has you here doing this work? Well, I, you know, obviously the easy and kind of cop-out answer is, you know, I'm driven or I was born to do this. Um, uh, and oh, I do don't, believe well, don't cop out on me. So, <laughs> uh, I, I do believe that I was born to do this. I do believe that I was placed on this earth, uh, to, um, serve. Um, and so, you know, when I think about, you know, what drives me, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of the perfect mix. I was, um, as an African American, you know, I'm clear about the legacy of, of slavery in this country. And I come from um, uh, one side of my family, which were never slaves, um, which were always revolutionaries. Um, and I'm a, a you know, blood descendant of Toussaint Leoverture, 
uh, who, who led wow. the uh, uh, revolution in Haiti. Um, and so I have that in, in, in my blood. Um, I also have, uh, you know, the kind of traditional African-American experience. And my father uh, was born in the rural Mississippi. And, and we call ourselves first generation northerners um, because we are the first generation on that side of the family to, to live in the north. Sure. And my father um, had a very um, uh, kind of uh, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type of um, um you know, rural uh, mentality, which was if everyone takes care of their own backyard, we would have a beautiful neighborhood and mm. city to live in. Right. Um, and so um, so both of those uh, kind of uh, philosophies have uh, are meshed inside of me. Um, and I believe in taking care of my own backyard. I believe in, you know, they say your first ministry starts at home. Uh, so I believe in that. Um, I'm also very clear that some people are unable to take care of their own backyard, either because of decisions they've made or uh, in some cases because of decisions other folks have made that have impacted their lives. A and absolutely. so um, and so that drives me to to do what I do, um, to uh, work in a service um, type of uh, uh, sector, um, because I believe that, you know, serving an individual um, can be the greatest joy that you can receive in life. Well, how do you, I mean, you, you've had a, a very long career in doing this. How do you maintain your sense, sense of optimism and your sense of idealism about, you know, wanting to change the world? So part of it is my faith. Uh, I'm deeply rooted and grounded in, in my faith. And my faith tells me that um, the righteous will prevail and the good win at, at the end. <laughs> and so I'm, and so I yep. am clear yep. that I am part of a, you know, I'm, I'm a, I played sports for uh, 20 something years of my life. And so, um, you know, if you think of sports track relay race, I'm clear that I'm part of a relay race that I have to do my part. And then at some point I will pass it on to somebody else and they'll do their part, but I'm resigned to know that at the end things are going to change. Um, I, I'm clear that it's messy, uh, in the middle um, that you um, uh, you don't stop. I'm, I'm I'm one of those people that if I see a crack in a dam, uh, I'm not just going to run and say there's nothing I can do. I will try to put my finger, my elbow, my toe in the dam, anything I could do to stop it from breaking, um, because that's just part of how I see this world is that you have to do something in order to make it better. Okay, so. So, you know, before the interview, I had said to you that you were an idealist and you kind of gave me a reaction back like, huh, um, what you just said there about putting everything with the crack in the dam, I just want you to know that's about as idealistic a statement as, <laughs> as anyone could make. I'm just letting you know that. Okay, Dr. Adams. All right. I guess I never thought of it that way. But, well, you know, okay. So, and what you don't maybe know a whole lot about me is that I actually go around the country um, training humans on human inclusivity, mm. on, how to be, on how to be inclusive of all people, regardless of color of skin or LGBTQ status or gender, all the other things that we, all the other silly things we use to make people other. One of the things I do remind people about is, is the history of slavery in our country. And I think that a lot of white color people, and I, 
Oh, I use that phrase because a lot of white people don't believe that white is a color. They just believe mm. it's normal or base. But I don't, I don't believe that most white color people understand the impact of knowing that for 246 years, um, you know, if you're a, um, um, a black color American, that for 200, and the odds are that you have slavery in your background, that for 246 years, you had family members that were in chains and considered property in the U.S. So um, just to I'm just share that with you because that's part of the work that I do as an idealist, trying to remind people about that um, because white-colored people have no idea. They just don't. Mm, yeah, I, I, I understand. And, 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 you know, and then there's another 200-something-odd years after oh, for sure. uh, slavery <laughs> where obviously there were uh, uh, laws and, and social norms that relegated um, uh, oppressive and, and terroristic um, um, uh, environment, uh, if you will, for, for yep. you know, many people of color and in particular uh, blacks who were who were living in this country. And so, you know, I don't say that to draw sympathy. I don't say that to, um, you know, uh, uh, try to uh, have people um, uh, have some type of guilt. That's just a fact. It, well, um, it is. Um, a, it, it absolutely. And, and the work that you're doing right now with the clients that you're serving, it is a product of a society that where the deck is stacked against, um, particularly uh, black colored uh, males, um, particularly in Minnesota. Um, and so, all right, well, we started down a road there and, yep, and I yep. just, let's get, let's pull it back because we're going to be out of time in just a little bit here. Um, I just, be, you know, before we go, um, will you please let our listeners know how can they find out more about Better Futures Minnesota? If they want to contribute and donate in some way. How can they do that? We'll certainly visit our website, betterfuturesminnesota.com, betterfuturesminnesota.com. So please certainly visit our website. Um, you can engage in uh, shopping in our reuse warehouse online. Uh, you can learn about our model. Um, you can come in and, 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 and purchase our products uh, in person. We're at 2620 Minnehaha Avenue in Minneapolis. Um, you can, uh, uh, in terms of how to support us, we love financial contributions. If you want to donate financially to help us do the phenomenal work that we do, um, uh, we are appreciative of it and we will accept it. Um, what we really love, though, is uh, for individuals to hire us to perform work. If you work in an apartment, if you work in an office building, ask your, you know, procurement officer who who do we contract to do janitorial services for the building who who shovels the snow out of our parking lot who cuts the grass um we love to earn our money through contracts of earned revenue um it it uh, individuals walk differently they talk differently they think differently when they're able to earn a living and provide for themselves and so we're clear about that and that is our primary role uh, or, or or course of growing our business is through earned revenue contracts so we can employ more men and uh, more men for uh, more hours throughout the week. Well, Dr. Adams, I could talk to you a whole lot longer, 
Um, and hopefully you and I will have some one-on-one face-to-face conversations because I want to do whatever I can to support your organization. But I have just loved having you here on LE 2.0 Radio. I really appreciate you giving me your time. Well, thank you for having me. I, I guess I need to uh, reconsider if I'm an idealist or not. <laughs> but but uh, would love to have some continued conversations and, and look forward to meeting you in person as well. Oh, take my word. You are an idealist. Okay. So, all right, everyone. We've been speaking with Dr. Thomas Adams of Better Futures Minnesota. Please go to their website at betterfuturesminnesota.com. Learn more about the organization. When we come back from the break, um, I will do my C-Block and talk a little bit about something that happened yesterday that breaks my heart. Thanks. Bye-bye. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. We're back to Ellie 2.0 Radio um, and listening to the song Galileo. Um, you know, uh, pretty great introduction to this next segment. This is my C block. I'm going to bookend this show by talking about transgender rights and transgender people. Sorry, um, I don't want to overdose you on this, but I've got to tell you, stuff is going on in my community that people need to know about. So I started talking about Sylvia Rivera and her fight for giving transgender people a seat at the table. Um, I'm now going to talk about how the Catholic Church is doing everything that it can to not only give us a seat at the table, to prevent us from having a seat at the table, but they they are working to prevent us from even being able to walk into the restaurant. So this show is taped um, on, on yesterday, June 10th. Um, the Catholic Church issued an, quote, instruction seeking to erase the idea that one's brain, gender identity, could not match their biological body. 
So I'm going to quote here from the National Catholic Reporter, which bills itself as the independent news source published on June 10th, 19 or 2019. Here is the title of this Catholic National Catholic Reporter story. Quote, Vatican office blasts gender theory questions intentions of transgender people, unquote. And here's the lead line. Vatican City, quote, the Vatican office responsible for overseeing Catholic educational institutions around the world has blasted modern gender theory, claiming in a new document that it seeks to annihilate the concept of nature. In an instruction released June 10 as LGBT people globally are celebrating Pride Month, the Congregation for Catholic Education calls the idea of people's gender identities existing along a spectrum as, quote, nothing more than a confused concept of freedom in the realm of feelings and wants, unquote. And the story, the lead goes on to say, labeling the biological difference between men and women constitutive of human identity, the office also questions the intentions of those who identify as intersex and transgender. Let me tell you, okay? Uh, Well, hold on. Before I say that, I also need to report that the Catholic Reporter in this article, and and I'm I'm really grateful that they've got this article in the Catholic Reporter, it also notes that Pope Francis has been on both sides of the issue of transgender people, first comparing gender theory to nuclear weapons on one occasion, but on another occasion speaking about the need uh, for compassion for a transgender person who had been ostracized by his or their uh, parish priest. Um, uh, the instruction goes on to say, okay, so let me, uh, let me also, I guess, finish up here with the National Catholic Reporter. Here's what else um, the Catholic Reporter says about this new instruction. Um, and that the, that the new instruction says this, quote, efforts to go beyond the con- constitute male hyphen female sexual difference, such as the ideas of intersex or transgender lead to a masculinity or femininity that is ambiguous, states the document. This oscillation between male and female becomes, at the end of the day, only a provocative display against so-called traditional frameworks. The instructive continued. Okay, that's all I'm going to read out of the National Catholic Reporter. Now let me say what I want to say, and that is this. For the record, I was baptized Catholic had my first communion and confirmation in the Catholic Church. I was a parish um, president of my local church in Cedar Rapids for at least three years. I, was in, I have a priest that – I have a, a great-great-uncle that was a priest. I had a grandmother, an adamant Catholic. I come from a very strong Catholic family. But as a transgender woman in 2019, the Vatican instruction that was issued yesterday on, quote, gender theory – I can assure you, will be used to diminish, marginalize, and harm transgender humans across the world. And if you are Catholic and listening to this right now, will you do me one favor, please? Will you bring me to your church? Contact me at elliejkrug at at gmail.com or just Google my website, elliejkrug.com. You will find me. Contact me. I will come to your Catholic church and I will talk with people about this, quote, gender theory, because I just here to report to you, it's not a theory. 
whatsoever. It is real. Trust me, I did everything in the world I could to stay a man because I knew that I would lose a great deal, including the love of my life, if I ever allowed myself to transition genders. But you know what? It's not a choice. We're not, we don't get the choice about certain things in life like who we love and, uh, and who we are. And I'm here to just tell you that being trans is real. It's not a theory whatsoever. And people in the Catholic Church, they probably, this instructive was probably written by people who've never even met a transgender person, never sat down and had a conversation with them. And if it sounds like I am angry, you are hearing it correctly because I am. Because what the Catholic Church did yesterday by issuing this instructive, it will result in the deaths of transgender people. I guarantee you that. Guarantee you. It will embolden families that are very traditionally religious and they will suppress, they will stifle, they will harm their children or love family members by claiming that it's just a choice on your part. It's just a theory that your brain doesn't match your body. You have to try harder just to stay according to your birth gender. All right, I need to go because I'm running out of time. You get the idea here. Bring me to your church. I need to give a big thanks to our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis and to Better Futures Minnesota. Um, I'm just thrilled that they are our sponsors. Thank you so very much. And thank you, Brett Johnson. You are always the best producer in the world, just saying. And to you, my listeners, please, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Please, will you follow me on Twitter? The handle is at Ellie Krug on Twitter. I'm trying to get my Twitter followership up. And to everyone, please... Have a great pride, be safe, see humans, and, and remember, there are no outcasts, they're just us. Bye-bye. <laughs>